Are you the lady that fights for us? And um, before you listen to this, please be aware that these are based on true events and there's a trigger warning. I said I'd never tell this story, but I did um, for the 16 days of activism last year. A few years ago, I worked with a girl. We will call her Gemma. When I met Gemma, she was 13 years old and she was in care, as were all her sisters, and her mum still lived in the local area. Gemma had gone into care about 18 months before I met her. Her younger sister had disclosed that granddad had been doing things to her, but also said not as bad as what happens to Gemma. What transpired was that the mother had been sexually abused since she was a child by her father and his friends. Her own mum had known and done nothing to stop it. Fast forward a few years and her mother had several girls of her own, including Gemma. Mum had continued to allow her father to be part of her life and her children's despite the history of abuse. Gemma's sister disclosed that when they went to see Grandad, all of the girls except Gemma were made to lay in a row and Grandad would inappropriately touch them. And sometimes there were other men. Mum knew, according to the sister, but said that Grandad was not allowed to do anything bad to the girls. That was safe for Gemma. Gemma, and only Gemma, was taken to her grandfather's every other weekend by her mum. Her mum would drop off on a Friday night and pick her up on a Sunday afternoon. And Grandad paid mum £50 every other weekend to have Gemma stay over. Gemma told us that, and her sisters. During her weekends with Grandad, Gemma would be sexually abused and be subjected to degrading and painful sexual acts. Eventually, his friends were introduced, and then they would be abusing her day and night, sometimes several men at a time. This happened from when Gemma was six until she was 11. When I met Gemma, she was off the rails. She was running away from placement often and smoking weed. She would not listen to anyone at school. I asked her to try and work with me, but it was hard, and they wanted me to keep her in mainstream education. But here's the thing. How can I convince a child to go to maths when she keeps telling me about how her mum pimped her out? I would say I'm pretty hardcore. I can take a lot. But from early on with Gemma, I knew I should pull away. I knew her story could break me, but I couldn't. Because for the first time in a long time, she had built a positive relationship with me and other members of staff. She was coming to us and telling us stuff. How could I just say, sorry, love, too much for me? I couldn't. She would come in my room and she would cry. She would cry over and over again about an incident that had happened the year before. She'd run away to go and find her mum. And when she got to her mum's flat, a man answered, a man that Gemma didn't know. He would not let Gemma in the flat, but after a bit of pushing and shoving, Gemma got in. She found her mum in the bathroom, blood everywhere. Mum had tried to inject a heroin and something had gone very wrong. Mum lived through the event and continued to use. Gemma, however, relived the event over and over. She spoke about how mum's face looked when she found her and the man stopping her had got into the flat had beaten mum. So when Gemma had found mum in the bathroom, not only did she have a needle hanging out of her arm with blood everywhere, but mum's face was swollen and bruised. Gemma's behaviour got worse. She started hanging around the other group of girls that were high risk of CSE. The safeguarding lead and I must have raised our concerns a million times. We recorded, we reported and we begged to have her taken out of the area. Rumours started that she was visiting a man's house and he was giving her free weed and cigarettes. I sat with her so many times and said there's no such thing as free weed and cigarettes and she would cry but say nothing. She started to change. She'd always wore makeup and had her hair and nails done, but now she wore no makeup and looked grubby. She no longer cared how she looked. Her friends came to me and told me that there was a man she was seeing that was her granddad. Not that granddad, they said, a different one. They said that she would go into his house for a bit and come out with drugs and money. All we had was a first name in the area. We must have gone down this road a million times looking for Gemma, calling out or knocking on doors, but we never found her.
Gemma was hardly in school anymore. But when she was, it was a nightmare. She was now very angry and become aggressive to staff. Then she would end up crying in my room. I found myself becoming drained when she was in school because I knew that I'd have to gear myself up for another big disclosure. Her breaking down and telling me yet another horrific account what happened to her as a child. I would report each thing she would tell me to the relevant services. I would then spend hours going over it with my safeguarding me, trying to make some sense of what this girl had been through and how it made me feel. But over time, I found that I no longer sp spoke about it. I would listen to her, comfort her and then report it, but that would be it. I would not offload anywhere. I can't really tell you why. I think I just could no longer speak about the rape and abuse of this child. I didn't want to go over what she said. I would just report it and then try and just move on. She used to ask me daily, why her? Why did her mum only sell her, not the others? She was so protective of her sisters, even though they were in different care placements. She once told me that her younger sister was sent to her granddad's with her one weekend, that when they pulled up on the weekend of Gemma's weekend, mum had told the little, little sister to get out as well. Gemma said her little sister looked so scared and that her little sister knew that the bad stuff happened to Gemma on them weekends. Gemma said to her mum, no. That little one word, not someone used well, did not go down well. Gemma said mum huffed and said, fine, I will do it then. And left the younger sister crying in the car and went into granddad's with Gemma. Mum stayed for an hour and completed the job that she expected her six-year-old daughter to complete, who was now crying in the car, and left Gemma there for the weekend. So one day I spoke to Gemma and I said I knew the man she was going to see was not her granddad and that she was not receiving anything for free. She said that she went there to move boxes for the man. I asked her to explain. She said that she had to move boxes around the flat and he paid her. I shook my head. I asked why she called him granddad. She put her head down and said that he makes her. That she said, he says I have to. I said, I can keep you safe. She said that if I got involved in her business, she would never speak to me again. She stormed out and I didn't see her for a week. I will always remember the next time I saw her. It was a Thursday and it was sunny. It was about 11 o'clock in the afternoon. She came to my door with two of her friends and they walked in without knocking. I just looked up at them. They were usually really noisy and rude and loud, usually stoned. Today, all three girls were stone cold sober. I could feel the heaviness in the room. Gemma said that she wanted to show me something, but she was worried that I think she was a slag. I assured her I'd never think that. She placed her phone on the table and told me to press play on the video that was on the screen. I did. It was a phone conversation she had recorded between her and the man the man that she'd been calling granddad the whole time. In the video, in the clip, she was asking him to stop touching her and if he did again, she would tell. He was saying, okay, fine, but there'll be no more money in fags. He then said he would have to start asking for her little sister to come round to move boxes. Gemma started to cry and said, no, she would come to forget this conversation. When the clip stopped, I looked at her and went to speak, but she shook her head and swiped the phone to the next video and pressed play. There was another video of Gemma and the man in the car. In this video, she is crying and asking to get out. He is saying no. That he dropped her friends home and now she needed to keep him company. Up until this point, I had no idea how old this man was, but suddenly you could hear the age in his voice. The video shifted. Gemma had the phone in her hands when recording and she moved it. So now instead of the black and just the black and the audio, I could see him. I could see him. He was about 50 to 60 years of age with quite overweight. He had greasy black hair combed across his head and stubble and looked filthy. 
She was asking to get out of the car and he was saying no. And she was crying. And she said that she had her period and couldn't stay with him. And he said she was lying and he wanted to see proof. And she was saying, oh, no. And she would not show him. And he said, well, I tell you what, young lady, you will not get out of this car until I've checked. Like a parent telling a child they would not leave the table until they'd eaten their dinner. She started to cry and there was a scuffle where he was trying to pull down her jeans. Then she's screeching and he is breathless and telling her to shut up. Suddenly you hear a bang and then fuck you, perv, being shouted. The man shouts something and then there is a sound of running. The two girls that were sitting in the room of Gemma with me right now were aged 13 and 14. They had hidden when the man had dropped them off. Gemma had told them where he usually took her and the two girls made their way to that place. When they arrived, they saw the commotion in the car and the girls, these two little girls, two little amazing girls, they opened the door and they set her free and they all ran away. They'd saved her. The video stopped. I didn't know what to say. My eyes, my eyes were red. But then Gemma said, one more miss. She swiped the video the other way to the one recorded before this one, the one I just listened to. I only allowed her to play 30 seconds of it. I could only take 30 seconds of seeing her being raped. I didn't know that she was going to press play. I didn't know it was on the video. I had to pick the phone up and turn it around. I thought it was a fight from the noise. Of course, it was all dealt with. He went to prison. I don't know how long for. One of the girls that saved her, she was in lots of trouble before this. And within weeks, she was no longer in mainstream education. Gemma was exploited again by others when she was moved out of area. It happened all of a sudden and I didn't get to say goodbye. I started to dream about the things that she had said to me and what she had told me. I could never get the audio out of that last 30 second clip out of my head. And it started appearing in my head throughout the day. And then I become unwell, very unwell. And then I just snapped, just, just like that. I found a dark place that I didn't know existed. And I was off work for weeks. Work eventually got me counselling and boy, did some of my own demons come out to haunt me during them sessions. I decided I didn't want to work in this sector anymore. I said I was leaving and handing my notice. I had no job to go to and I didn't care. About two weeks before I was due to leave, I was given a case. No, nah, no, nah, that's a lie. No one gave me cases anymore. I just sat in my office sorting paperwork and avoiding humans. I no longer wanted to be there. Suddenly a girl appeared at my door. She hovered and asked to come in and I just nodded. She sat on the chair, chewing her nails. She had a black eye and love bites all over her neck. She looked so young and so lost. I asked her to go and find someone from safeguarding if she needed to talk. She sort of shuffled and said, Miss, are you the lady that fights for us? I just looked at her and said, but what? And she said, Annie told me to come here. She, she said, you're the lady for fight that fights for girls like us. I said, no, 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 that's not me, not anymore. She stared at me with her big blue eyes. I could see her story already. I could already feel her pain. I could have told you what happened to her without her ever saying a word. And I knew she could see me too, see that my eyes told the same story. She put both her hands under her thighs, sitting on her hands. It was like she didn't hear a word I was saying. I said she needed to leave. She started to tell me some of the stuff that happened to her. At first, I just said that she had to leave, but she just kept on talking. Then she asked me if I knew the man she was talking about, if I'd heard of him. I nodded and automatically reached for my pen, started taking notes, identified the male that had given her the black eye, worked out just how many men had given them love bites. And we made a plan, me and her, and how we're going to keep her safe. I contacted social services and started discussing what we're doing next. 
The social worker that knew me said, have you been on holiday? We're just saying the other day we haven't heard much from Kendra. And I said, I've been away. I'm back now. <laughs>